When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of THN on the Q, brought to you by MGM. I'm Will McLaren. He's Jamie Tozer. And if we sound like we're a little bit out of sync, um, full disclosure, we're recording this on a Monday night, which means that we are recording it the day after uh, the beginning of Daylight Savings Time, which uh, I think we have come to a consensus, Jamie, between you, I, and our uh, producer behind the scenes, Connor Somerville, Daylight savings time is evil, should be abolished, and if one of us falls asleep over the course of the next 35 minutes or so, you can blame the time change. <laughs> That's fair. I thought you were going to say we're tired from the uh, Santa Fe basketball game on, uh, on Sunday. One of us would have been. One of us would have been, because one of us was in the building for that. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. You go, double, was, that, was that a double, double overtime? Yeah. Double Very overtime, nice. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Excellent yeah. game. Yeah. It's a big game. one by the Carlton Ra- Ravens, of course. Yep. yep. They uh, shocking. They continue their uh, yes, yeah. They continue their uh, little uh, run there, much like yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Q in two seconds, but uh, you know that just leads into as well uh, uh, a a rather star-studded uh, UNB team winning the AUS at East here and vying for yet another uh, University Cup, and uh, with a number of Q guys on the roster, as well as uh, Gardner McDougall. Head coach of your 2022 Sea yeah. Dogs legend, Gary McDougall. Memorial Cup. I tell you, they keep they keep dragging him out for events. So I mean, <laughs> still putting his face on T-shirts. You know, anytime they need a little bit of a bump, old Gardner comes down. And, you know, does does the trick. So hey, he can he'll 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 never have to pay for a drink at Rockies ever again, right? <laughs> so it's all about so life's all about really goals. Pretty much exactly. Yeah, some of us have a hard time getting through the door at Rockies. Uh, by the way, St. John, uh, a, a uh, legendary St. John establishment for anybody who's not familiar, or if you ever want to visit the port city, go to Rockies, or at least try and get it in the door. Um, so <laughs> Food, all that food's time, good. <laughs> food and drinks food, are good. Oh, yeah, by the way, the, yeah, the, food drinks the door is also, cool. Yeah, the door, the door <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a well-known door, and uh, yes, the food and the drink is also great. So uh, Connor's already uh, complaining at us that we're uh, going too far off tangent. I don't know if I... If, if people don't come here to talk about youth sports basketball, then we're people, really. So we're going to talk about CFL here shortly. So I mean, so we are we are absolutely going to talk about the CHL or the CFL. But well, if we're not talking about the CHL, we really should just go off the air. May not disappoint too many people, but let's talk about the CFL. In fact, let's talk about the current, soon-to-be former president of the Montreal Alouettes who is going to be stepping down from that position to become the new commissioner of the QMJHL in early May. And that guy's name is Mario Cicchini. Uh, the announcement was made on Tuesday, um, just uh, less than 24 hours after we went off the air last week. Um, the announcement being made that he will be the new head man in the queue. Uh, a lot of business and sports experience uh, for uh, Mario Cicchini. Uh, Jamie, what are your thoughts on this hire, and what uh, you've uh, what the takeaway is on Mr. Chikini's background? 
Yeah. Um, everything I've heard about him is really positive. Everything I've seen written about him is really positive too. So definitely um, encouraging. Not a huge sports background as has been talked about quite a bit. Uh, just those few years with the Alouettes really his only big sports endeavor, uh, but a pretty big, you know, media career. Um, and we see that quite a bit where media guys move over into sports. Um, and it's really kind of the same thing, right? It's really just promoting entertainment, creating entertainment. It's pretty, I think there's right. a lot of crossover there. So definitely, uh, uh, a guy who is experienced in the entertainment world at the very least. And I think, um, being that well experienced in media is also interesting too, to see what he can do with the queue and, and not just the queue, even, even just the CHL as a whole. Um, not sure what that means for guys like us though, Will, a media savvy, positive guy. I don't know if he's going to drop a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of bombs on us for, for podcast fodder, but it seems like a good hire for the league. Definitely. And it's definitely a switch in a very different direction. It's, there's really nobody uh, at the helm of uh, any of the three uh, CHL uh, leagues right now that, that quite have a unique background like that. And, um, you know, the, both the business and the uh, the media backgrounds. I'm very interested to see how that plays out because he is he's going to have a perspective. Um, let's say close similar to what we have, but you know there's there's going to have to be a little bit of that um, that media awareness that's going to shine through. Um, and you say the business side of things. You know, at the end of the day, um, there are lots of guys who are involved in this league and um, will continue to be involved in this league who have the hockey background. Like it's not hard to find a hockey guy working in a hockey league um, or a hockey girl working in a hockey league. Although, you know, a little bit harder on that front, thankfully that's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's hard to find the people that have a, maybe a bit more of a detachment from the sport itself who can maybe step outside the box and really take a look have that almost like that outsider's view on, on how things are run or some of the policies, some of the just general decision-making and really a sense of self-awareness that, that may be a little bit tougher to come by if it bends somebody with closer ties to the hockey community. Um, if anything, you know, you know, and obviously, Obviously, we hope it works out. Um, if anything, for the sake of the league and the, and the kids who are playing in it, more more than anything, but it's going to be very interesting to see the dynamic between Marriage Keeney, the teams, um, the the league executive, uh, and even the fans as well to see how this all how this all comes together and what does the league look like after a certain amount of time in which marriage Keeney is at the helm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about his background is he hasn't worked a lot in sports, but he's worked for um, an, an interesting organization um, that's had a lot of issues. <laughs> that's that's went, one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of issues that were out of his control, uh, worked through COVID as well. Um, you know, he's not coming from the Yankees or the Lakers, you know, a team that has unlimited resources. He, he really had to battle through a lot over the last few years. Um, right. which I think is, is good experience for the league. Cause there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are going to go wrong in the league, even though things seem like they're pretty good in place right now. Um, you know, things aren't going to always be smooth. So I think having that, that background of uh, dealing with a lot of problems and, um, 
in, in sports is, is going to really come helpful uh, with a, a junior league. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and also somebody who has not really been tied to this league in the past. So there's, yeah. you know, if fresh if ideas, poss- any possibility of sentimentality or, or, you know, exactly like you say, some fresh ideas, uh, give you a little bit more info on, on marriage Keeney's resume uh, from a personal standpoint, as you mentioned, Jamie was the president of the Alouettes from, January 2020 to December 2022. He was renamed to that position when the league, when the franchise was purchased by the league. The second time that the CFL has purchased the Alouettes, incidentally, uh, that this latest occurrence was last month. He was named uh, the president then. And that's actually the reason, one of the reasons, at the very least, why he is not taking the role over immediately. He doesn't take he doesn't start uh, on the job in the queue until May 8th. Martin Lavallee, the deputy commissioner under Jill Corto, will remain the commissioner until that time. Uh, but uh, there's still some um, intricacies uh, between the the uh, absorption of the Alouettes by the CFL that uh, Mr. Cicchini uh, needs to be around for. From an, from an, a uh, media standpoint, he was the uh, president of Chorus Entertainment for about three years. And I know, and that's a name that I just know from watching things on a lot of um, you know, specialty Canadian channels, for example, like a lot of programs on you know, Home and Garden Network or, uh, yeah, I'm a big Home and Garden fan. Go figure. Um, we all knew that. <laughs> ten, ten things you didn't know about Will McClendon. Uh, <laughs> um, play like that or, you know, uh, some of the other uh, well-known, uh, um, well-known uh, channels uh, out there on your specialty TV packages. Chorus does a lot of production and he's been the head of that too. So definitely a different perspective. And I know myself, I for one, Jamie, I can't wait to see uh, what he brings to the table. It's an exciting time when you think about yep. it. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you almost, we've said it before, you almost didn't know when the time would be for fresh blood to arrive before Gilles Corto initially said he was stepping down. Now, you didn't know when it was going to happen. You knew it would have to come sooner than later, but now it's finally here. It's it's exciting. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, just the idea of something, of new things coming in or changes coming in is, is really exciting. So I think it feels like the league, even be a little bit before COVID, it almost feels like there's almost been this like this impending um, change is coming. It almost felt like something, something just was going to change, whether it be, you know, a realignment or new media rights or uh, something drastic with, you know, a huge playoff format change or something like that it just felt like something was going to change it had things have just kind of been flat for so long um yeah. it's really felt like something was 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 going to happen here soon and uh i i wouldn't be shocked if wouldn't be shocked if maybe we go through a year or two where things are pretty normal but i think over time we'll we'll see some uh, some changes here yeah and sometimes normal is not necessarily the best way to, to go about it as we're going to mention in our next segment. But one other thing, too, that I'll quickly point out before we transition, Jamie, you just brought it up, and that's the uh, the media aspect of things. Uh, for example, if you live in the province of New Brunswick right now, you do not have a local cable company that is producing QMJHL games. The agreement between the QMJHL and Rogers was severed um, due to um, financials, really. Uh, and uh, I'd be curious to see if there's some sort of push uh, to bring those two uh, closer in terms and, and, and to get Rogers back in the loop because they say there's, there's three teams out of, out of 18 that do not have a local television 
provider. Everywhere else, there is somebody, at least somebody somewhere, who's covering these games. And I know the the kick is uh, pushes to go more local, more online, and through the uh, through the webcast packages. But I'd be curious to see a guy with a television background like Mario Cicchini. Is do we do we see uh, QMJHL TV back on on television sets in New Brunswick? It's going to be interesting to find out. So uh, we and we did mention, you know, sometimes uh, the way things have been done is not always the best way. And you know, uh, unfortunately, one of the uh, primary examples of that is a guy who we mentioned on this podcast last week, um, Stephen Quirk. Um, as you may recall, Stephen Quirk was the QMJHL player named as a plaintiff in the recently rejected class action suit against the CHL, all, along with that representative from the WHL and the OHL. The, the OHL uh, representative we all know very well in Daniel Curcillo. Um, but Stephen has decided to speak to the media for the first time. There's an article uh, last week in uh, the Quebec newspaper, Le Devoir, along with a, um, a video uh, component that went with that. Um, and Stephen doesn't go into any great details or specifics about what happened, but but he has uh, alleged uh, substantial abuse, sexual abuse, uh, during his time in the QMJHL. And he does mention how it's it, uh, of uh, uh, some very trying times in general during his rookie season with the Moncton Alpines. Um, and I, I know... Uh, when this was brought to my attention that Stephen decided to speak out, um, Jamie, I, I guess part of it was surprise, just because you you never know when somebody's going to be comfortable enough to tell that that sort of story. Mm -hmm. But also, it was that mixture of both surprise and, and pride, quite frankly, yep. um, because um, it is something that's that's it's not being mentioned. To a great degree, especially in the English media. We touched upon that last week. And hopefully, hopefully, this is an inspiration for others who have suffered the same mistreatment, but also something that can gain a little bit more traction in the media in general, because this story is not going away, nor should it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, very brave of him to come forward like he did. Um, but like, like you just said, well, uh, I think it's, it's so important because this is going to help others, um, want to come forward who were harmed in the past. Um, and I think it, it, you know, having, having him come forward and, and tell his story, it, it's just so much more impactful than, than, you know, the two of us, uh, just talking about it. It's you know, hearing the, the victim come forward and talk about, it, it's just going to make such more of a, an impact to hear that side of the story and, uh. Very brave of him to come forward, and I'm sure uh, a, a lot of people will be uh, will be proud of him for for doing that. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's something like say that does gain some traction, and you know, not not necessarily to put Stephen Cork, the man, in the spotlight. I mean, he's taken that upon himself to to tell his tale, but you know, just uh, for the greater good sort of thing. And I guess that's kind of what the angle I look at it. You know, you know he could have. Stephen Quirk kept this quiet for 25 years. He didn't even tell his own family, as he says in that article in Le Devoir. Um, he, he did not tell anybody until a couple of years ago. And um, the fact that he was willing to, to finally uh, share that story is in itself uh, enormous. But you know what? There's, you know, as we've, as we said, Jamie, you know, there's, there's people out there and we can never speculate on 
what happened to whom because it's not obviously we weren't there and it's not our tale to tell but i mean when you put two and two together you know he's just one of one of several and uh, as we mentioned um you know not only are we very proud of of uh, Stephen for doing what he did um it, it, was, it was a very long time coming but say hopefully this creates the positive change as Stephen himself mentions in that article that uh, gives uh, this league uh, uh, makes this league a, a safer place to uh, to play the game that, that we all love so yeah yeah 100 yeah. um we're gonna switch back to the present day and um jamie if you if if i told you i don't know three weeks ago even that there's all of a sudden a race for first place in the Eastern Conference, would you have necessarily believed it? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. This has been a wild, uh, wild few weeks here. Yeah, for sure. And it's not just happening in the East, it's happening in the West. Yeah. Obviously. You know, Quebec and Halifax are duking it out in the East. You got Gatineau and Sherbrooke duking it out in the West. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this almost ad nauseum uh, over the case, over the course of the entire season. I mean, these are four of the, really five teams to watch, you know, uh, Victoria Viltigre is still, you know, a team nobody would want to face in the postseason either. Yep. Um, and you might even add Ryan Rand to that, to that as a, as kind of a dark mm-hmm. horse 16. But at the end of the day, these are your big four in the eyes of a lot of people. And the fact that not only is Halifax, not only, not only is Halifax challenging Quebec first overall, we're not out of the woods yet of Gatineau or Sherbrooke coming out, coming out of things with the Jean Rougeau trophy as, as uh, regular season champions. It's, it's a scenario that has been absolutely riveting. And to see, you know, four teams still at the very top of the league, still fighting one another um, for that, for those, uh, uh, those top four spots, really top two in each conference. It's been nothing short of remarkable. I don't know if I've ever seen, that close to a race in both conferences in one year. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. Um, and it really feels like it's going to come down to who makes fewer mistakes down the stretch is going to end up on top because all these teams are playing so well. And other than Quebec right now, uh, who's really tumbled the past, uh, past week or so. And that's really hurt them. Cause I, I, I'm sure you felt the same way. Well, it almost looked like, you know, the Mooseheads were, unstoppable uh for most of the second half and they weren't even gaining any ground on the quebec because quebec wasn't losing at the same time but all of a sudden uh halifax was ahead of them there for a little bit um but a really uh tough loss for them in bathurst that's really uh, impacted the standings um uh, but on halifax's side is definitely their schedule they probably have the easiest schedule remaining um so that's going to benefit them um and then in the west i mean this is going to be a fun race in the west um Gatineau and Sherbrooke, and they still have, I believe, one more head-to-head meeting, which is going to be awesome. Um, and I'm going to ask the annoying question, though, Will, because someone has to ask it. It's the playoff. We're almost to playoff time. Is Gatineau, has Gatineau faced enough adversity to uh, to be ready for the playoffs here? Because they've they've hardly lost here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And when they lose in the playoffs, are they going to be ready to, to come back from that? Yeah, 18 straight. I mean, that's... Um... That's an impressive feat in its own right. Um, I mean, it, it took a it took a bit of an effort there to uh, to, uh, to win number seventeen. Anyway, and, yeah, uh, that was on the game on Friday night uh, in Gatineau. I was watching that one on on TV, and uh, Shakutami 
Um, full credit to the Sags. Took them to overtime. Um, it was a battle all the way after Gatineau beat them 8-2 the night before. Uh, so none, so it's not like all 18 of these wins have been easy. Uh, and it's not that they faced some uh, inferior opponents. I mean, there's a big win against uh, Halifax, for example, in the midst of this streak as well. Uh, the win against Sherbrooke, uh, number 18 on this streak uh, on Sunday. Um, so I think if they do... If, if, it's difficult to say, obviously. Um, I would say this much. Um, if you're going to face adversity, I know, you know, you know, the old cliche is better for it to happen in game one than game seven. I think that's very true. I, I, I would almost think that, you know, if it's going to happen, you almost want to get it out of the way. You know, yeah. you know, have somebody in the first round, you know, make it tough on you in a game one or a game two. Yes. You know, you're the odds on favorite to win the series, but just, you know, and it doesn't have to be a loss. It just has to be a close win or, you know, just something to, to really put a scare into them. Um, but I'll say this much too. Keep in mind, this is a team that has already faced plenty of adversity early on in the season. This mm-hmm. team has not fielded. I don't think they fielded a full lineup at all this season between, you know, um, Olivier Nadeau being injured for the first half of the year. Anthony Inferro was also out uh, for a long period of time. Maddox Landry, when he was still there, was out for a long period of time. And, um, and um, uh, Hacken uh, Heinold, um, the, uh, the German forward, Washington uh, Capitals draft pick, he's barely been in the lineup all year long. Um, so they faced adversity in their own way. It's just, like you say, it hasn't happened recently. It's once they get every, once they basically get the band all together, things really start to click. Um, so yeah, if, if it's going to happen, and honestly, I don't know. Like I, I, I see Gatineau and Sherbrooke, and I see two teams that could conceivably go the first two rounds eight and zero. Oh yeah. And and instead of instead of being a situation where they're facing adversity early on, they just get a, they they have to gut out a couple of close wins. Mm-hmm. Like one of those situations where they probably have shoot their opponent two to one and yeah. they have a goaltender, they have to beat like a goaltender essentially, and they manage to do it and it kind of and it kind of rejuvenates them. That's probably the more likely scenario. And quite frankly, Halifax, I look at them the same way. Quebec's a little bit different, only because of the plethora of injuries between Zach between yeah. um you know, the injury to Malatesta and the injury to Nathan Gauthier and Evan Noss has been out for long periods of time. He's back now. Thomas Darcy. Um, they're the ones that I look at and say, you know what? If these guys, if people don't get back in time, this is a team that really could face more of an upper uphand battle than meets the eye, especially if they meet a really hungry first or second round opponent. Yeah, and you bring up a good point with the injuries too. You know, Gatineau in the first half that would have impacted the record. Quebec, the injuries now impacting the record. So even you know the one to four teams might not re really be a true representative of who the top one to four teams are. They might you know in reality might be the fourth best team might actually be the the best team. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know unfortunately they're not going to have the presumably won't have the favorable playoff matchups um, once we get to the semis. So it's going to be a, a tougher road for them. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, one, and one more thing you mentioned, the early schedule, uh, the, uh, you know, more the friendlier schedule, we'll say for Halifax. Um, 
Quebec's goes uh, their last. All four of these teams, by the way, have six games remaining. Um, Quebec's goes Blaineville, Victoria, Blaineville, Victoria, Ville, Kudemi, Schwinnigan, and then back to back to back with Ramuski to end the year. Not the easiest schedule. Um, Gatineau goes Drummondville, Schwinnigan, Schwinnigan, another game against Sherbrooke, and then back to back against Blaineville, which for my money is a pretty decent schedule to round mm-hmm. things out. You know, you get past Sherbrooke, who say you don't run the table, mm-hmm. which would bring them to, what, 24 straight and tie the franchise record. Who knows? Uh, now that I've said that, I'm sorry, Louie. Yeah, it's too bad. So, sorry when the streak ends this week, Louie. That's all right. He's a Yankees fan. He's losing in recent times. Uh, uh, and Sherbrooke. But Sherbrooke, you look at them. Bakemo, Ruin Naranda, Valdor, Gatineau, Victoriaville, Victoriaville. Um that's a good playoff uh, preparation right there. So, uh, you know, if they can if they can dodge some balls, if Sherbrooke ends up in first place, by the way, in the conference, after going through that schedule, um, then I would have no problem, even despite how good these four teams are, I'd have no problem calling them a prohibitive favorite to win it all. Which, of course, would mean that they'd have a banner flying. And speaking of banners... This is something that uh, we were talking about last week off uh, off mic. Um, as we did say on the air, uh, Jamie was in Regina completing the uh, 60 for 64. Um, and of course, you know, the old uh, Brant Center, formerly the Agredon, uh, a lot of history there. You know, Pats won the Memorial Cup in 1974. It's been a long time. They've gone to a couple Memorial Cup finals. And of course, they have a banner for their Memorial Cup win. And they also have a banner for one of the Memorial Cup final appearances. Jamie, I think you can tell by my tone what I think of that. I'd like to get your thoughts. Okay, well, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. And I know I can see Will, the, the steam just pouring out of his ears right now through his, through his uh, earbuds. Uh, I don't hate it, but leave my AirPods alone. Connor, Connor, some of loves my AirPods. <laughs> under one condition, I'm rag on my AirPods now and and go along with this foolishness. Like okay, uh, under one go. condition, though. Let me just I grab like my it. phone. I'm just going to find a new host for next week. That's all right. Yeah, go okay. on, all go right. on. No, under one condition, don't, though. Don't, under let, one don't condition. let me get in your way. One yes. condition. I I like it. College college hockey style because this is a college hockey podcast. College hockey style where you have one banner that says Memorial Cup appearances, he lists the years, mm-hmm. that's it. Not a, not, a, not a banner for every year. I'm okay with that. Don't need a banner for every year, though, uh, especially like in Regina where the banners are the exact same size, just a different color. Um, one thing I will point out, though, about Regina, they are uh, <laughs> four, somehow 4-10 four and ten all time in Memorial Cup finals, which is actually kind of sad. That's um, amazing. The, the four and ten. Uh, For, first and, of all, they've been around a hundred years. Let's start true. off that's with fair. the obvious. That's fair. That's fair. And I'll um, point out to listeners too before you go, Will. Uh, this yeah. is not a Regina problem. This is a this is a CHL wide issue. There are lots of teams. We thought this was an isolated issue, uh, but there are lots no, of teams no, across the CHL. Yep. There are this that yeah, have these teams in the queue. Yep. Yep. Rimouski. Valdor, I believe, has them. Yep. Ruan Naranda. Mm-hmm. Two out of those three, Ramuski and uh, Ruan Naranda, both have Memorial Cup titles. Mm-hmm. Ramuski won their Memorial Cup before they were a finalist. 
So, you don't like a lot of banners, Jamie. Well, I got a great way to shore up the number of banners that, that are all right. you know up there, forcing How's you to that? do all that reading while the game's yep. going on below you. Yep. Don't put them up for Memorial Cup finals. <laughs> You're going to eliminate a banner right there. There's you know, one, of, one of your suggestions right there. There's a solution right there. You know what? If you made the Memorial Cup and lost in the final and have not won a Memorial Cup, I guess, yes. Um, if you were a host team, didn't win your league, made it to the final and lost, I can even give that too because you don't even have a league championship banner to go with it. Um what I'm about to say, um, quite frankly, if certain people involved in the Moncton Wildcats organization are listening to this, I may never be allowed to go in their building again. But I'm just. <laughs> well, you just said last. You just said last week you haven't been to Moncton in the winter in like hundred years or something. No. Yeah. Well. You know. I. I'm. I'm allergic. I found out in recent years I became allergic to thirty degree, thirty below temperatures <laughs> and snow that doesn't go away till May. I'm sorry. <laughs> Still love my people at home, and I miss home, and still home to me. But I don't Sounds like it. I'm sorry. Go on, like if if the Moncton Wildcats, and you know what, we're only a year or two away from my good my 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 pal Richie Tebow. He's putting the team together up there, and if they get into a long playoff run, you better believe I'll be up there for like a third round playoff game. Um, other than that, eh. but anyway, my whole point here: Moncton Wildcats love their banners. They love their banners. Jamie, you like, I don't know if you, if you saw at one point, they've changed them up a little bit over the years, mm -hmm. but at one point there was a banner. You would have hated it. Um, there was a banner for the 20, 2005, 2006 season, which in, in a way, maybe this is worse than the Memorial cup finals banner because that team did go to the Memorial cup final. They won the league. They hosted the tournament. They lost in the final to Quebec, but they also had a banner saying that they were, they finished all on the same banner. So maybe you will like this because it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like this. Now you like where this is headed now? Yeah. So it was a 5,000 word character limit on a banner. A, a banner that said that they were the number one team in CHL to complete the season to, uh, on the final rankings. And we all know how most people think about the CHL rankings. Um, they were the Robert LaBelle Trophy winners. What's the Robert yeah. LaBelle trophy, yeah. you may ask? That uh -huh. is the trophy given out to the team that allows the fewest goals oh, yeah. against in the mm -hmm. season. And then on the last line, I believe it did make mention to something else, but I cannot remember. It might have been a franchise record winning streak or a franchise record for wins, both of which they accomplished uh, during that season. This is a team that, the franchise. speaking of banners, the franchise record for wins going into that season was 10 games. They won their 11th in a row on home ice. They extended it to 14. But after the 11th win in a row, after the game, after the opponent left the ice, they actually came out on the ice. And <laughs> I can guarantee you not one of those guys really wanted to do this. Came out on the ice with a banner that's a big, long banner, like it took up the entire neutral zone, that said 11 wins in a row. That franchise does not have a Memorial Cup finalist banner. <laughs> so you know what? If that team can do it, 
That team had a banner in the on the side of the building when it broke the record for longest home winning streak. Home winning streak. If they don't need one, none of you need it. None of you need it, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Um, I am I am cool with the individual banners. I'll give you that much. Um, I, sorry, I guess I'm not giving you anything because you don't like it. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, I do like looking up and seeing. Maybe it's because I grew up a Montreal fan, um, so you can look up and you can see your your history individually represented. I'm cool with that. But it, you're celebrating a game you lost. Stop. Get some help. Take the banner out of the Raptors. And the fact that the Regina Pats, who have lost ten of these things, only have one of the banners up. Maybe they should just put all the years on it, eh? Yeah. Anyway. What are your thoughts, people? Do you like the banners? Do you like a Memorial <laughs> Cup finalist banner? Do you want to see other banners? Do you want to see players parading around with banners? Do you want to talk about anything else that we've talked about on this program? If you do, send us a message. We are always looking for new commentary in our mailbag. On Twitter, I'm at Will McRider. He's at Station underscore Nation. Send us anything. We'd love to hear from you. And with that little piece of grandma. Let's talk about a team that has one Stanley Cup banner. I don't know if they have a 2000 Stanley Cup finalist banner or 2020 Stanley Cup finalist They should, though. In the Raptors. On one banner. Now, Jamie, Jamie, you've probably been in the building. Have I you? have, yeah. It's freezing. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, it's ironic because it's usually about 100 degrees, and that's yeah. Dallas, Texas, home of your Dallas Stars, uh, who apparently do not put up banners for a Stanley Cup finals. Although, all fairness, they do have conference championships. So, okay, all oh, that's that's that they 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 acknowledge that they won something. They don't acknowledge that they lost something. By the way, there's no players from the Q drafted uh, uh, by Dallas right now, uh, currently playing in the league. And there's not a lot to talk about in general. There's not a lot yeah. in the pipeline in Dallas except for <clears throat> one really big name, Jamie, that we got very familiar with over the last few years, especially last summer in St. John. Yeah, Maverick Bork, uh, very well known to the prospect world for Shrimp Pick of Dallas in 2020. Uh, always a very smart player, very strong hockey sense and IQ. Uh, will be a Schwinnigan Cataracts legend for all time, captaining uh, Schwinnigan to their first title last year. Uh, really good, really good offensively. Uh, seven points in four games of the Memorial Cup, too. So great, mm-hmm. great playoff performer. 25 points in 16 playoff games as well. So. Um, a really good postseason, uh, putting up pretty good numbers in the A too. So I think uh, I think we could probably see him in the A in the NHL uh, sooner rather than later. For sure, for sure. First round pick of the Stars back in twenty uh, twenty, I do believe. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, just a, like an added thing, um, I obviously may not play on 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 Maverick Bork's mind a whole lot, but I did. It, was, it, it is kind of uh, poignant uh, to maybe certain fans around the league. He was the playoff MVP in, in the uh, 2022 President Cup uh, playoffs for QMJHL. Um, of course, the playoff MVP trophy is named after Guy Lafleur. So to be the first guy to win the trophy after uh, Guy passed away, uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's kind of something special there. I think there's yeah. something special there anyway. Um, also in the uh, Texas Stars lineup down the AHL along with Maverick, is Remy Poirier, a longtime goaltender for the Gatineau Olympic, um, who kind of went a little bit under the radar in his Q career, played on some decent Gatineau teams, 
and probably uh, kept them in uh, a lot, a few, quite, quite a few more games than people may remember. And uh, in the ECHL, one lone guy with the Idaho Steelheads, that's Justin Ducharme, who spent a four-year career in Bathurst, Chikudami, and Valdor, part of that powerhouse uh, for a team that lost in the uh, uh, President Cup final in 2021. I don't think they put a banner up for it, by the way. Um, I'd be okay if they did, though. I'm sure you would. Absolutely. <laughs> And with that, let's go on. on to, with their other final that. losses, of course. With their other final losses. And one Absolutely. Game. It should all yeah. be on one. Exactly. Yeah. That, see, like, that way you can just, like, you don't have to, like, re- redo your whole ceiling every time. You just, like, put a ladder up and just write. How structurally unsound do you think these buildings are? You don't have to redo your ceiling. <laughs> I suppose, you know, it could get a little bit weighty after a while. Exactly. You know, I got to, like, re- yeah, I got to reorder them and stuff. It's just a mess of thing. It's terrible, you know. The, from a logistical standpoint, you know, you know right. what? Exactly. There, 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 the right there, there is a banner manufacturer in Quebec right now who now has you <laughs> on his hit list. Like I can guarantee you. Like, we you should better... we should discuss while we're on Schwinnigan the overall size of the banners and Schwinnigan is just like hilarious how uh, how big they're. That okay? Is it a lar- an issue too large or too small? Like the banners, like bigger than the scoreboard. That's excessive. <laughs> I'll give full credit to you on that. It's like, no. If, if, if I can't see the play because there's a banner in my way, you, you have failed in some way. Uh, do, they, do they have a banner for having the largest banners in the league, though? Oh, that'd be awesome. I guess and, if you have, I mean, it's kind of sad because they, they don't have a lot of banners. Swinging, so. It is a shame. Uh, oldest franchise in the league and I mean, they've got a few retired numbers. Um, you know, they've 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 done well from that standpoint. Actually, I I like their uh, they have a very uh, very good array up there for that. Just the one President Cup win, but uh, it was a member memorable one as Maverick Bork could uh, attest to. Let's finish up with the 2023 draft prospect of the week, and um, here's a guy who I think if he just was in the lineup a little bit longer, Jamie, this year. He's actually injured again now. We don't know when he's coming back. But Mal Saint-Denis from the Ramouski Oceanic, with a little more consistent time in the lineup and a little better luck on the injury front, I think there's a strong possibility that we may have been, we may have already mentioned this guy simply because he would have had a little bit more attention in the eyes of the scouts to begin with. Yeah, the, the 10th overall pick in the 2021 drafts, you know, some attention's been on him for a while. Part of that that core group that Schwin, or, uh, Ramuski's built through the, that draft class. Um, you know, another guy who it feels like we've mentioned quite a few guys for the 2023 NHL class um, that have missed some time due to injury this year. And he's he's another one only played in uh, 46 or Ramuski's 63 games. Um, you know, still putting up pretty okay numbers, but like you said, if, if he'd gotten into some more consistent game times, I think we probably could have seen a bit more from him, um, kind of known as a good defensive forward. Um, so certainly as he, uh, gets older in the league and plays for uh, a better and growing Ramuski team, we'll probably see those, uh, offensive numbers stand out a bit more, but being a good defensive forward probably means he's, he's kind of got some good attributes to be a pro. Uh, so certainly a, a prospect to watch, even if he doesn't get drafted this year. Yeah, definitely one of the, one of the guys who, uh, when when the scouting reports were out on him a couple of summers ago, before he entered the Quebec League draft, 
generally considered one of the smarter players available in that summer's draft. And he has, he has been able to show that win in the lineup. And, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, you can say he has going for him is, you know, he has the intelligence, he has that, that, that innate ability to make the right decisions with and without the puck, which is something that, you know, if, if you're that intelligent, it's easier to pick back up on when you do get back in the lineup. And of course, we certainly hope to see ML Saint-Denis back in the lineup uh, as soon as possible and uh, see as well uh, where he lands on the in the, uh, in the uh, draft logs for 2023 this coming summer. So that will just about do it uh, for us for this week. Um, you know, it's we're getting down to crunch time, Jamie. You know, we we're talking about you know a playoff preview episode here in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's it, it's coming down to the wire here. Uh, every team, I believe, at this point now has under ten games remaining. There's races all the way up and down the standings. So, uh, anything particular this week that uh, is catching your eye? Yep. Well, we talked about the the top of the standings. I'm still keeping an eye on the bottom. Uh, still a playoff race for that last sixteenth um, spot between. Looks like it's going to come down to St. John and Valdor. Uh, Valdor has some major goaltending issues with injuries right now. Um, they all and St. John has uh, the easier schedule, even though and Valdor uh, is two points up on them. So that'll be that could be a fun finish uh, to see who gets that last spot. Yep, absolutely. And a quick shout out before uh, we go out to uh, Mathis Lucia. You talked about the uh, Valdor goaltending uh, quandary uh, on the team of the week in the queue this week, uh, trying to keep the four in the playoff picture and doing as admirable a job as he possibly can. So uh, will it translate into a playoff spot? We will find out sooner rather than later. For Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren, and thanks as always behind the scenes to our producer, Connor Somerville. You've been listening to the Hockey News on the queue. Brought to you by BetMGM. We will see you again next week.